You're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. The session is made possible by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn about this new translation and the many ways you can enjoy the CSB. Explore online when you visit csbible.com. This is another in our series of podcasts in the studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepard, and I'm looking forward to today's program because uh, Gunnar Gunnarsson is going to be with us today. It's so fun to say his name, Gunnar Gunnar. He's son of Gunnar. He's- yeah, and uh, of all the people I've introduced you to, you're introducing him to me. Yeah. And he's a really cool guy. But I've only met him online and interviewed well, him that's- online. Well, you'll find out who this guy is coming up oh. later in the program today. But believe me, you'll, you'll want to meet Gunnar. And he's from Iceland? Iceland, yes. Wow. He's a pastor, he's a pastor there. That's pretty cool. It literally. is. It is. <laughs> well, ha ha. Okay. Yeah. Aside from the volcanoes. Yeah. Mike, you, you surprise me sometimes. Okay. All right. You throw me completely off track. Let me get back on the rails here. Okay. Uh, here's serious. A com- here's a comment from Luis. Mr. Card and Brother in Christ, I hope these words find you well. I am a Christian musician from Puerto Rico that has been following your music for many years, and I feel Mm. blessed for finding your music that till today inspires and blesses my life and that of my family. Mm. My prayer is that he will use young people to follow the example that you have given to the Christian music community. Blessings, signed Luis and family, he says. Wow. From Puerto Rico. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Isn't it something that people would take the time to stop and just write an oh. encouraging note? That oh, always amazes me. I know. Yeah. What a gracious and, thing. Hey, the fact that they listen to the program every week, and so many of our listeners yeah. listen to the entire hour. Uh, yeah. That that is uh, that's not always the case. And in, in my experience in radio, of course, radio you yeah. catch on the go kind of thing. But with podcasts, it's yeah. different. People it come is. to you because they want to hear what you're gonna, and they'll listen to the whole program. So thank you. And. And they're they're uh, um, uh, archived so that if people yes. like a certain guest, they can go back and hear Denny yep. Denson again or Bill Lane yep. again. That's pretty yep. neat. Yep. And our producer is Joe Carlson, and we need to always thank Joe for all the work he puts into uh, yeah. organizing these programs for us and keeping yeah. that archive active. So thank yeah. you very much. Okay. Well, our featured resource this month is the CSB Bible, the Holy Land Illustrated Bible, and I urge our listeners to check that out. And there's more information at our website from CSB, the Holy Land Illustrated Bible. It's a fantastic work. And mm-hmm. then, uh, speaking of uh, writing, you have a book called The Nazarene. Yeah. That's been out for a while now, a few months, a year or so. Yes. You're working on a book called what? Well, you know, titles are always kind of optional because what happens is you come up with this title you love, and then there's a title committee at the publishers, uh, and they always change it. I know how that works. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to call it the Galilean okay. because uh, a lot of the book is about it's about understanding all the details of the life of Jesus and what they mean, and a big part of his life is understanding his background in in, in Galilee. Okay. Well, we yeah. want to talk about what you are going to put in that book. We'll do that in mm-hmm. a few minutes. All of that after you sing a song for us, Michael. Jesus, let us come to know you. Thank you. 
always loved how that ends. Michael, thank you for that. Jesus, let us come to know you. Hey, can I ask, uh, I'm interested in where we are with the uh, book that, I say we are, (laughs) where you are. (laughs) See how much I feel I'm in touch with you, Mike. (laughs) Well, that, you know, I I, I appreciate that because I feel like I'm not alone. You know, where are are we? Where are we in your book? How am I doing? (laughs) Yeah. I was... I was working with a guy. We're doing this uh, construction work out here, and I was working with this guy yesterday, tearing out and doing all this work. And I was totally exhausted. And he goes, "I do this ten hours a day." I said, "Yeah, but can you sit and read books ten hours a day?" <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Let me restart that and say, "How are you doing on this book that we've been talking about for a while now on the life of Jesus?" Well, I I, I keep. I keep reading books on the life of I've read 42 books on the life of Jesus so far. I just got one more coming and and something in me is saying, okay, enough's enough, huh. right? It's time to start writing. So I did get my introduction done and I had a really interesting um it, an idea that just came came to me. I hope it was the Lord that came to me in the middle of the night and that is during the Jesus movement, there were people that were always having visions of Jesus. Do you remember this, Wayne? Mm-hmm. You know, they'd, oh, yeah. be at some, they'd be at some service, and yeah. Jesus would be standing next to the pastor. And, and I would always say, well, you know, what do he look like? You know, we, you know tell me, what, what do he look like? <laughs> and I was always feeling like this second-class spiritual citizen because I didn't have a vision of Jesus. But I realized, no, I do have a vision of Jesus. It took me 42 years but I have a vision of of what he looked like and what he you know who you know who he was who he is, and uh, and so that's what this book really is for me. It's this is the vision over you know all these years of who Jesus is for me. Yeah. So where do you start? Well, you start with the outline, and so I think I have a really good outline. Um, the the outline is uh, three parts. It's his world. So we can talk about Judaism and that sort of stuff, what it was like, Galilee, what Galilee was like. So it's his world, his mind, what what you know his teaching was like, how he mm-hmm. thought, what it was. And we've talked a little bit about that on this program, the way he uses words. And then the third part is his heart. And so is his world, his mind, and his heart. And okay, I, I, I think like that it's yeah. going to be an interesting. Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting. Does that yeah. work for you? It does. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You, can we talk about it for a few minutes? Sure, absolutely. Um, uh, he he was uh, talking about his heart. Obviously, he was humble. I mean, he says he's humble, <laughs> which is either a horrible thing to say or it's true. And you know, I I believe it's true. Right, Jesus um, can say that. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, Miller, I'm looking at my notes for my book right here now, and 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 Miller, Calvin Miller said that Jesus was free to go unnoticed. He never draws attention to himself. He's always pointing away from himself, and I think that tells you about. His heart. Mm-hmm. He does a miracle, or he'll, or he'll, you know, speak a parable or something like that, and he'll say, "I'm only doing what I see the Father doing, right? I only say what the Father tells me to say." He's always pointing away from himself. Um, his 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 emotions are really complex. Uh, you know, there are all kinds of words to describe his emotions. He's overwhelmed. He's yeah. He's amazed. Um, Can I just add to that? Sure. I, I just the thing that comes to my mind is he's he's just confident in knowing what his mission is. Absolutely, he's confident. I just read a book again, <laughs> Avi Snyder's new book on Jesus. He's the head of Jews for Jesus. He talks about Jesus as being a provocateur. He's provocative. He provokes people. Mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, I never thought of it that way. I never thought of that word. He provokes people. Um, and I, I, there are little moments like um, the man, I think he brings his son to Jesus, and he says, if if you can heal him, if you can do anything, that's what he says, if you can do anything, I want you to do something. And Jesus turns around and said, what do you mean if? <laughs> and, you know, I, I hear I hear this, this is his heart. You know, I almost hear Denny Denson. What do you mean if? Yeah, of course yeah. I'm going to do something, right? And uh, I love yeah, that. I, I, yeah, I, I love that too. He's uh, he's he's joyful. He's astonished. Uh, he, interesting that he's been given the power to judge. Uh, he says he's the judge, right? Mm-hmm. But then he says, "But I don't judge anybody. I haven't come to judge the world. I've come to save the world." So isn't it good news that this person who's been empowered to judge us, and of course we all, we're always going to lose mm-hmm. in that scenario. <laughs> True. Uh, 
That person says, no, I've not come to judge the world. I've come to save the world. I judge nobody. Um, he, uh, oh, there's just so many fascinating things. There, there's this business of what the German scholars falsely call the messianic secret. You know, Jesus would be revealed or someone he would, would say he's the Messiah. And he would say, don't tell anybody. You know, Peter makes his great confession, the big sestry of Philippi confession, you're the Christ. And Jesus says, whatever you do, don't tell anybody. How fascinating is that? Because you would think he would want everybody to know. Right, right. But he, he doesn't want them to know until they know what Messiah means. Yeah, and they time, don't know it's a Messiah. timing issue, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. It's a timing issue. So as they're on their way to Jerusalem, he's trying to in, in, inform them. Being the Messiah means being killed. Mm-hmm. And, of course, when he says that, what do they say? Peter says, that'll never happen never, to you. Never, never. Right. Let Jesus, let me tell you what being the Messiah really means, right? No, it, it doesn't mean that. So, you you know, you've got that. You've got, um, uh, I don't know, you've got so many aspects to his character. And, and the occasion of working on a book like this helps me, you know, to, to get in touch with his heart, his mm-hmm. fleeing to the wilderness. There's so many times, especially in the Gospel of Mark, when he just has to get away. Eremos Tapos is the word that Mark used, one of Bill's favorite themes, the wilderness. He goes to the wilderness and he prays all night long, and uh, you see that part of his heart. Um, so, I don't know. When you're working through an outline like this, as you said, you've got the outline there and you're adding to it and adding to it. I mean, yes. are, is this always going through your mind, even when you're out, uh, uh, you know, planting tomatoes? I mean, yes. how, how does it work for That's you? That's the that's the part that drives you crazy. I think about this all the time. I think about this all, like I, I told you the other night, I'm, I'm laying in bed, I'm a classic insomniac, and I'm laying there not, not able to sleep. And all of a sudden, I start thinking about vision, be, people having visions of Jesus. And I start recycling this, this old uh, guilt or this feeling, uh, you know, Satan's always telling you you're a second-class spiritual citizen, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And in the Jesus movement, if you if you weren't alive during that time, let me tell you, a lot of that went on. If you didn't speak in tongues, you were a second class. You know, if you had a vision of Jesus, you were a second class. Yeah. And I think a lot of us still bear the some of the wounds of that. And so it what a special thing it was for me for the Lord to say, No, you have a vision. You have a vision of me. It's just taken you 42 years <laughs> <laughs> to get it. And so, like, even so far as, I mean, this is this is my world in the last couple of years, Wayne, reading archaeological dig reports, uh, 200 burial sites of Jewish males from the first century, average height, five foot six. Really? Yeah, that's my nose. My nose is five foot six. And you're okay? not real tall. <laughs> I'm not that tall, Right. So Jesus is probably around five foot six. Now, what you're thinking is, you're thinking, oh, he was short. No, everyone's short. Yeah, yeah, it was all relative. Yeah, but let's talk about that vision of Jesus. So when I have this vision of Jesus, I see this person who's about, you know, that tall. Yeah. And yet, he's the Lord of the universe. He's he's a person that people walk by and they don't look at twice there's nothing extraordinary. Isaiah says there's nothing extraordinary mm-hmm. about him. You don't look at him twice. Yeah. No one comments on his appearance. No one comments on how short he is or how tall he is. Hmm. Uh, but boy, when he opens his mouth, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I've wondered before why we don't have any descriptions of his of appearance at all. You mentioned Isaiah, of course, but yeah, there was nothing of his appearance that was remarkable, is, is what you're saying. Exactly. He dresses like everyone else. He looks like everyone else. Uh, again, you pass when the, to me, and that's astonishing. You pass him by on the street. You don't look twice. Uh, the disciples don't recognize him. You know, after the resurrection, and there may be other things going on there. But I, I think of the John twenty-one when he, they're a hundred yards away and he's standing on the shore, <laughs> and they don't recognize him. You know, he just looks like anybody else standing there on the shore, and yet he's the son of God. Yeah. And and if you think about it, that's really how it should be, right? He shouldn't be six foot two or auburn haired the way we present him in you know uh-huh. the art. Uh-huh. You know, auburn hair with a with a yeah. halo around his head, white robe. <laughs> that's not him at all. And that's one of the things I love about the 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 chosen this this new video series on Jesus. He's very 
ordinary, you know, and he dresses just like everyone else, knee length, very w- roughly woven, mm-hmm. you know, outer tunic sort of thing. Yeah. And in fact, Jesus makes fun of people who wear long who wear long robes, which I think is <laughs> is yeah, kind of interesting. It is it is fascinating. Uh, you know, he, yeah. he doesn't dress to bring attention to himself, obviously, no. or, or we'd hear about it. But you know, there's no. a there's a thing going around now about uh, pastors and and how they dress and the shoes they wear, you know, and, the, and how much they spend on those shoes, that kind of thing. Yeah, that, that's just not so Jesus, is it? <laughs> it's not Jesus at all. Uh, and again, I think I think your question is a good one. Why doesn't anybody describe what he looks like? Because I want to know what he looks like. Right. Right. Well, apparently, there's nothing nothing to talk about. Yeah. There's nothing extraordinary about the way he looks. He's he is uh, on the outside anyway. He's very. But he's that a very was prophesied to be the case in Isaiah fifty-three. Exactly, exactly. There's nothing in his appearance that would attract us to him, hmm. and I think that's the best explanation why there's no um, no description. Yeah. There are some later description. There's a there uh, in the like third century. There was a a man who was very a, against the gospel, a man named Serenthus, and he described Jesus as looking scruffy. Hmm. He uses the word scruffy, <laughs> which I think is interesting, which is probably accurate. Well, as you said before, how much time in his life did he spend walking back and forth to Jerusalem? So, yes, <laughs> so right, right. That'll take a toll on you, won't it? Right. Um, let me ask you this. As you're writing a book like this, doing all the background, studying all that, which yeah. comes first, the writing or the lyrics for the songs that you write? Do, do, the, well, the, do the songs come out of the writing well, traditionally in the past, it's always been that way. I, I I research, and then the songs come, and then then I write write the book after the song. But this this book isn't associated with any songs. I'm not writing music to go along with this book. Okay, I'm I'm thinking about calling it the Galilean. Uh-huh. There's going to be a lot about Galilee. You really have to understand Galilee to understand who Jesus is okay. and what he's dealing with. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So yeah, no no music for this book. Okay, well, just one last question then. You talked about okay. the heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Talk about how we connect with that heart, that, that mm. same person, the person of Christ today. Well, we, we connect by, with that heart not by any doing of our own. We connect with his heart by responding to his extending himself to us, right? He, he loves us first, right? He reaches out to us first. And then the, 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 the question is, how do I respond? respond to that? How do, how do I respond to this heartfelt extension of himself that's in the Gospels and that comes through the Holy Spirit? And, and there's really only one appropriate response, right? You give everything. Surrender, I mean, obedience, it, yeah. Abs, abs, radical obedience, right? I'm, there's no, no part of my life that he is not Lord of. You know, you respond to that absolute lordship. Yeah. You love me, uh, keep my commands. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, speaking of your music, Mike, we're going to wrap up this part of our conversation today by hearing your song, The Rabbi's Heartbeat. Uh, do you want to say anything mm-hmm. about this song before we play it? Yeah, this is a song I wrote uh, for Brennan Manning. Brennan Manning uh, wrote a book called The Rabbi's Heartbeat, mm-hmm. and this is there was, this was in a little a CD. It was, if you remember CDs, they were this little, <laughs> yeah. these little round things. We little used records, music yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it was in the in, inside cover of the book. <laughs> And uh, basically, it's it, the rabbi's heartbeat is the the moment uh, in uh, during the Last Supper when uh, John describes himself as leaning up against the breath, breast of Jesus. And Brennan's idea was, yeah, I bet he could hear his heartbeat. Mm. He's so close; he's leaning up against him. So you 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 have to get so close to Jesus that you actually hear the rabbi's heartbeat the way okay. John did. All right. It's a beautiful idea. Yeah, I like that image a lot. All right. Well, let's hear the song, The Rabbi's Heartbeat, as recorded in the studio. Here's Michael Card. Just a few hours before the dawn 
In a few moments he'll be coming In a few moments he'll be gone As they recline around the table As each of his followers finds a place As each of them gaze upon the mystery Of the dark riddle of his face Could they be wondering in the shadows is this the end or just the start? If they had only learned to listen To the beat of the rabbi's heart The rabbi's heart, it will be broken To finally break the fallen curse And the stillness of that heart was felt Throughout the universe And then they'll find the faith to listen and new hope to make a start And they'll hear the sacred silence of The beat of the rabbi's heart What could he mean, this is my body? How could he say, this is my blood? How will he let himself be broken? Will he be poured out like a flood? In the confusion and the sorrow All of their hopes are torn apart But then the youngest leans and listens To the beat of the rabbi's heart The rabbi's heart, it will be broken To finally break the fallen curse And the stillness of that heart was felt Throughout the universe then they'll find the faith to listen And new hope to make a start And they'll hear the sacred silence of The beat of the rabbi's heart Is that the morning light that's breaking? Is that the dawning of the sun? Now that the final meal is over now will you simply go back home? Or will you linger just to listen For only an echo in the dark? Or hear the holy hidden power Of the beat of a broken heart? This music that you hear in the studio with Michael Card was recorded in the studio. We don't let Mike mm -hmm. uh, just grab a CD off the shelf and play a song here. So thank you for investing that in the program, Michael. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It's it's uh, it's a little bit of extra work, definitely. Yeah, I understand. A few more listener comments here. Greg in Alaska says, I write today to say thank you both for all the good work that goes into the podcast. You should thank Joe as well, all three mm -hmm. of us. We enjoy each one, he says. The recent edition that featured the message from the archives of a sermon preached by Michael in Cuba was especially powerful and sweet experience for us as listeners. In that sermon, the translator, Pastor Eduardo, was deeply touched by a thought that Michael shared with the congregation, and we were deeply touched as well by the opportunity to listen to those precious moments. I was there yeah. when that happened, as was Joe, and I'll never forget that. Yeah, the translator starts crying, and so we're waiting for him to kind of pull himself together so he can say what I said. <laughs> yeah, I thought, what? suddenly there was a pause, and you, you, know, you spoke, and then the translator normally comes right in, and there was yeah. a long pause, and I thought, well, what's happening? What, there must be a distraction of some kind. Yeah, he was gathering his emotions. Yeah, it was from the, absorbing the, what you had said. Right, and I basically I quoted Frederick Beekner, who said the miracle of the cross was that there was no miracle that Jesus uh -huh. dies, and I'd woven that into the sermon. And Eduardo heard that, and he just it took his breath away. So that was yeah. that was a moment. It's a classic moment. Yeah. Teresa wrote and says, "I'm so grateful for these teachings, which have opened up a whole new world to hungering for Scripture." Instead of feeling the good news of his presence is for everyone else but me, mm. the opportunities provided in the past few months with some of my homeless neighbors and other folks on the outside, so to speak, thinking they could never belong in church. She goes on to say, thank you for helping open up my imagination to not just see the words on the page in my Bible, but to see the God whose very breath of life sustains me. 
I listen to the program each Monday while I work from home, and you've made Mondays one of the best days of the week. Mondays are the day that we post each week's new podcast. So. Wow. Well, thank you, Teresa. I mean, she says it better than we do. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? I know. Yeah. I like that. Not just yeah. see the words on the page of my Bible, but see the God whose very breath of life sustains me. Yeah. What, what great encouragement. I think I'll run about a week on that. <laughs> Thanks, Teresa. Yeah, and you have to understand, we don't share these to build ourselves up, Michael, or build you up. We just love the fact that we get to have this community of listeners together and yeah. share the gospel together, right? The fellowship's sweet. Absolutely, yeah. And that there are people that are really taking it in and, and being impacted by it. That's so encouraging. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Michael. It's been a great session so far, but we've come to the halfway point. If what you're hearing has prompted you to go deeper, look online for more from Michael that can help. You'll find music, books, and news about upcoming conferences at michaelcard.com. We're always glad to hear from listeners. Post a comment on the Michael Card Facebook page or send your comments, questions, and song requests via email to inthestudio at michaelcard.com. If you're new to this podcast, be sure to look through the podcast archive for an extensive collection of classic and current editions to hear and enjoy. Coming up, more music and conversation after this message in the studio with Michael Card. I love God's Word, and the CSB Study Bible is a wonderful addition to help you grow in love and devotion to the truth of the Bible. This fresh translation combined with meaningful commentary and study tools can help you make lifelong connections with God's Word. Search for the CSB Study Bible at csbible.com. Put your interest to learn into action as you open up God's Word with an array of study notes and word studies for your deep study and daily reading. When you visit online, see how you can explore the rich meaning of the text through this edition. Be sure to use the special 40% discount on your CSB purchase through LifeWay. Type CARD40 with caps, no spaces, in the promotion code for your 40% discount with LifeWay. Your commitment to going deeper into the details of Scripture will lead to a real connection with God. Search for CSB Study Bible now at csbible.com. Back with you in the studio now with Michael Card, and our guest is coming up from Iceland online here in just a moment. But Michael comes to sing this beautiful song, This Is My Father's World. Thank you. 
This is my Father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my Father's world. Why should my heart be sad? He is just and kind. He is love defined. His grace, all the hope that I have. His grace, all the hope that I have. What a beautiful song! Thank you, Michael. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. We're going to hear more of Michael's music coming up in a moment. I'm going to introduce you to someone right now, Michael, but I feel funny in doing so because I've never met him, except Ah. on Zoom. (laughs) So many of the relationships we have over the past year or so are on Zoom. And I had this gentleman on my radio program, and I was uh, Joe Carlson, our producer, and I were so impressed with him that we've invited him to join us in conversation all the way from Iceland. Gunnar Gunnarsson is on the line with us right now. Gunnar, meet Michael Card. Hello. Good to to be with you and uh, meet you guys through this virtual platform yeah, right, right. <laughs> whatever yeah. this is yeah <laughs> yeah yeah welcome to the program gunnar tell i want to hear a little bit about the volcanoes up there are are you in any danger there's no vol- there's no uh, lava coming through your studio or <laughs> no not yet uh we have to okay. wrap up this interview within uh 20 minutes or so yeah. so that i can move <laughs> along no uh no no it's a like 40 minute drive away uh been up okay. there. It's a beauty to see. It's yeah. It, it really what a fitting song to to go into that on is uh yeah. You are mesmerized by just how powerful creation is when you see literally new land being formed in front of you. Uh, I was wow. sort of expecting it to be much louder than it actually was huh. in person. You know, it really doesn't. I was ex- expecting rumbles and I don't know just. A lot of loudness. I don't mm-hmm. know how to describe it, but I was kind of taken aback just how quiet and somber it was. And it actually made me think of Genesis 1, the spirit of God hovering over the emptiness. And Ooh, and, nice. uh, yeah. and so, it, yeah, it was just, it's such a beautiful one. It's not an explosive volcano. Uh, so we've had some volcanoes in the past, like Eyjafjallajökull and other volcanoes go off where it just sends a... a a bunch of ash into the air shuts down air travel for a lot of Europe and uh, and also just sends ashes all over the, the cars and stuff. Uh, so we haven't really seen that with this volcano. It's calm. And uh, actually now I think there's like eight different spots where it's spewing up uh, lava. And it's still pretty far away from the city. I think probably right now half the population is actually probably walked up there and seen it in person. <laughs> wow, that's and so, so yeah. unusual for us to think about it that way. Uh, Mike uh, Gunnar is on Instagram with photos and actual video because he has hiked up there, as I understand it, Gunnar. You you hiked as close as you could come and took your drone with you, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I have four kids, I don't have a lot of opportunities to just pick up and go. I have to help at home and that type of stuff. So I had this one day, and it turns out about half the country was thinking the same thing. It was a beautiful day, and they closed down the road. So I took this whole circle. I ended up walking half a marathon to get to this volcano. Wow. When I finally got there, I was so tired. But I had my drone, and it was dark. And I so I was flying it around, just completely taken aback how just awesome God is. I mean, mm. yeah, it, it really does. You're confronted with the the power of God when mm. you see something like this. Michael, I think we need to book you into Iceland sometime. Uh, I'm ready to go. I would love to go up there. And I'll tell you, what I'm interested in hearing about is, I mean, where, where is the faith? I mean, what, what's the, the state of the church in Iceland? Because like a lot of Americans, I know virtually nothing about what's going on there now. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was our prayer for a while, and God has generously answered our prayer. As My prayer was, God, would you help people notice that Iceland is not a, a, a Christian nation? It mm. is far from it. We have, yeah, I mean, we have a cross in our flag. We have a national anthem that is based on a psalm in the Bible, and mm. it's, really, it's actually called a, a psalm of worship. Uh, and yeah, there's like a, a thousand years ago, apparently we decided to become a Christian nation. But if you look at church attendance, uh, you know, I would 
safely assume that less than 1% of the country actually attends church at any kind of regularity. Um, mm. There's the baptisms in the church that are so ingrained in the culture that the word for naming someone and baptizing someone is actually the same word in Icelandic, skirn. So mm. it is sort of tied into naming your child, you baptize them immediately thereafter. And then the church sort of functions in the role of, yeah, we will baptize you when you're born and then we will bury you when bury. you die. And mm-hmm. in between, there's not a whole lot of things that happen mm. uh, other than maybe marriages that people go into. But even then, we're leading the world. We're number one in out-of-wedlock births per capita. About 30% of kids are born to married parents. Uh, we are some Someone dubbed us the most godless country in Europe. Wow. Uh, which is very interesting because there are still communistic countries in Europe. And yeah, and so it's we're pretty far away and and there wasn't a whole lot of notice given to Iceland or Scandinavia because there's a a long history of the church being here. But uh there's almost none mis- no missionary activity happening. There's almost no church attendance happening. And if there's any church attendance happening, there it's very likely they're going to a church that mocks the Bible openly. Um so it is, yeah, it is a sad situation. And my prayer has been for years that people would notice our little rock in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and uh, that we would have help. And then over the past seven years or so, God has generously answered that prayers with people willing to come here, move here, uh, study here and help us with reaching students at the university, other people giving us financially so that I can work doing this. And, uh, and then now the prayer has shifted into, okay, we've got a little core group of people here and we have planted one church and we want to see 399 more churches. <laughs> so let's, uh, uh, you know, so we decided to pray, you know, shift our prayer to God. Would you raise up uh, workers here in the harvest from within locally? And so, yeah, we're waiting to see what, what God's going to do. He's building his church, even through COVID. You know, so. Yeah, Isn't that exciting, Mike? I, I, I love to hear the story. I love to hear the vision that Gunnar and others have there for reaching their country. Uh, it's called the Iceland Project, and we'll put information and a link uh, in our program notes to the Iceland Project so our listeners can learn more. So you want to follow up, Mike? Well, I think my question is, what can we do? I mean, I'm, I can pray. I can uh I can go to the Iceland Project and learn more about it. I mean, clearly I can do those things, but what what do you need from us? What's what's the, the, the biggest need? I would say right now the best way to serve is by praying for the country, like you said. Uh, one of the best ways to serve is also giving so that people can work full-time on the ground. Uh, before I came along, when I started getting full-time salary for this, which I did not expect I could do, uh, I mean— Outside of the state church, there were, I think, two other pastors and full-time staff in all of Iceland. So we are a small country, but there's also wow. just not a lot of workers, and especially not a lot of full-time workers. So mm. people who give and churches that give, they're supporting in an immense way. And then probably the biggest support has actually been random people from churches that just love our people well, who yeah. come over here once or twice a year. Uh, I think of a retired uh, principal in, in Knoxville, Tennessee, Bob. Hmm. We love him. He comes over here. And he loves our guys. Hands out pocket knives and, and it just like <laughs> hangs out with our guys. Prays with them. Sort of encourages us to step up as men and and lead. And then he just leaves. And everyone is so thankful for Bob coming over to spend mm. a week with us. Or uh, the Lomaxes who have come over here pretty regularly, twice a year from from up uh, in Virginia and Maryland area. They come over here and encourage us as well. And when they leave, everyone feels that they've been with us. And then another way that people can join the mission is we've had some churches send students our way because in the University of Iceland, it's subsidized by the government. Uh, Tuition is like 500 bucks a year. And they send their students over there who want a cheap education, but also want to work alongside of the church. And so we've Ah. got one who helped us set up university ministry. And now he's an elder at our church and he's got an Icelandic wife. So he's sort of stuck here now. And and so, so we are... We are slowly but surely uh, making sure that we uh, catch the people and, and make sure they have, uh, uh, yeah, a, a reason to stay. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but so, I mean, that's probably been the two biggest ways that people can give. But also, we we do some outreach events throughout the year where we open it up to supporting churches. Uh, we've seen people come through faith through ESL camps that we've had and 
and so on. And so there's a, a few different ways. A lot of it is on the the website, theicelandproject.org. And you're all about reaching the lost. I mean, that that's your that's your goal, right? I mean, you you are committed to God's word, and and we've talked before, and uh, you brought up John four. Um, you want to talk about that a little bit, Gunnar? Yeah, yeah. You just sort of asked a random question at the end of your radio interview, which was, you know, what are you thinking about at the moment? And I just read John chapter four about the Samaritan woman at the well, and uh, how awesome it is how Jesus takes uh, our story, and she's going at the well when no one else is going during the noon, during the hot time of the of the day when no one else would go, probably due to her shame, probably due to her history of of having multiple husbands and now living with a man who's not her husband. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you're confronted with Jesus who is there waiting for her at the well, revealing who he is and what he's come to do. And then, uh, you know, in the end, in verse 28, it says, so the woman left her jar with a water in it. Like she came to get water from the well. Now she's not even concerned about getting the water anymore. Mm-hmm. She's met Jesus. She's been transformed by Jesus. And she and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. So now she's been transformed. She's there at the well because she's ashamed of her past. And now she's been confronted by Jesus and his grace and his mercy. And now she's going into the town to meet the people she's trying to avoid, actually sharing her past to Mm. point to his greatness. And it just reveals this sort of, amazing story of Jesus and how he takes what we can so often see as irredeemable and he just makes it so that it is to his ultimate glory and reveals his ultimate power. I mean, he's done that in my life. I've been teaching at Teen Challenge this week and seen that again and again in the people's lives there. How they've come out of difficulties and background that seems irredeemable, but now they're looking back and thanking God for his grace and mercy and patience. And I just want to see this go to others. You know, uh, this week, uh, we as a church are reading 2 Corinthians, and in chapter 7, we're confronted with godly sorrow versus, or godly grief versus worldly grief, godly grief where we run to God and worldly grief that leads to death. And and I'm I'm thinking about the Samaritan woman uh, as well, you know, thinking, man, this is godly grief. Yeah, I am grieved over my past, but man, he has redeemed me. He has given me mercy, he's given me life, and how amazing that reality is. Uh, so, yeah, mm. you went a little bit into that during your radio program mm. just because that's something that was fresh in my right. mind at Thank that time. Thank you for that. Thank you. One of the things I love about that story is Jesus um, connecting with what's there. You know, you, you know, you drink this water, you're going to get thirsty again. I've, I'm going to give you water, you'll never be thirsty again. And he he's constantly doing that, and um, mm. you know, connecting with the the environment and what people are dealing with, and like you said, connecting with her life, even the 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 part of her life that you think is uh, that people might think is not redeemable. And yeah. like, like you, it amazes me that she she goes back and she says, "There's this man I met. He told me everything I ever did." I was thinking, and that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's become it's become a good thing. Yeah. This man, this man knows everything about me, and he still loves me. Yeah, yeah. Love and when you're confronted story. with love like that, how can you not? Yeah, you know, you. I mean, and there's nothing that's gonna push you away from him. He's he's here for you too. Like yeah. he has been there waiting for you at the well, even though he knew exactly who you are, and yet he's waiting for you at that well. Yeah, that's amazing. I love the rendition of the chosen of this past. It's just one of the best parts of the chosen. And the, the yeah. man who plays Jesus is sitting there and he goes, I still haven't gotten a drink of water. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gunnar, it's so good to introduce yeah. the two of you together. And Yeah, uh, nice to meet you. Yeah, Mike, when was the last time in my life that I thought to pray for Iceland and the lost no. in Iceland before I met Gunnar? And now a whole new country has opened up to me in the in the spiritual needs there. So it's, it's wonderful yeah. to have the privilege of praying for him, for his ministry, for the for the people of his church and others who have caught the vision there and for others to come to Christ because of that. So I'm, I'm really pleased that we could have this conversation here today. Now, um, Gunnar, we want to pray for your family as well. I know you have four children, as you mentioned. You have a special needs child and you have a new baby as well. So you, wow. you're a busy guy. 
Yeah, yeah, we got two extra special needs. Oh, two. Kids. Okay, one, one more than the other. But yeah, we've we're trying to adjust to the new pace of life and and asking ourselves how we can do ministry in long term sustainably and yet yep. work hard and and be there for our kids. So yeah, yeah, definitely prayer for wisdom would be appreciated. All right, and your beautiful wife's name is. S-V-A-V-A, Svava. Svava, isn't that beautiful? Well, thank you so much for this time together. And Mike, we're going to turn to a song now uh, that you recorded in the studio. Uh, Gunnar, any banjo players in Iceland? No, I know we need banjo. I really love banjo players. I'm not even kidding. I actually think the banjo is banned in Iceland. I think I read that somewhere. Well, yeah. We, maybe I don't. I don't know that. I know the president talked about banning pineapple and pizza, but I've never heard uh, banjo. <laughs> well, we're going to hear some good banjo playing as Mike comes to sing for us now. Um, Gunnar Gunnarsson, thank you, brother. Look forward to our next conversation. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Thank you. And if you ever do go to Iceland, you got to take that banjo with you. So they'll let you in the country. That's got to happen. That has got to happen. I'm looking forward to yeah. that. Isn't that a sweet brother we met, Gunnar? Yeah. You know, it, 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 you meet people from all over the world and you recognize the fact that you are in a very deep way related to that person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, people who otherwise you would have nothing in common with. He lives on, you know, not literally the other side of the world, but pretty pretty close to the other side of the world. Yeah, a long different ways from cult- us. Yeah, different culture, different world. But then we talk to him, it's like, this is my brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, when I had him on my radio show, he concluded by saying something to the effect, you know, here I am halfway between Europe and America on a rock in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. And my ancestors were pagans, he said, but I follow the king of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ, he says. Wow. And I had no idea that, you know, you just sort of assume that the gospel has taken root all over the world. I had no idea that Iceland was as barren of the gospel as, uh, as Gunnar explained to us. So that's a whole new yeah. challenge. We got to pray yeah. for Iceland and we got to send, send some resources there. Right. Well, again, he's serious about that commitment to see hundreds yeah. of churches in yeah. Iceland. He's started his, you know, he's, he's wow. got number one. <laughs> so, wow. And uh, we love this brother and, and uh, we do pray for him. And you'll find the information about the Iceland Project in our notes at our website, michaelcard.com. And thank you for your teaching today, concluding mm. with the rabbi's heartbeat, Mike. This is, this is our heart's desire to know the Lord's mm. heart. 
Yeah, and again, Brennan's idea I think is so compelling uh, that that it is possible that we can get so close to Jesus that we really do, like John, we hear his heartbeat, his heartbeat for Iceland, mm-hmm, you know, that mm-hmm. we can share things that he cares deeply about and things that we would otherwise just be, I don't know about you, Wayne, otherwise I'm just oblivious to those things. <laughs> but all of a sudden I hear Gunnar and the spirit in me says, you know, there are these people who need to hear about who Jesus is and what he means, and, and so get on board. Right. Yeah, there's no no experience like that. Well, we've talked about it, Mike. Why don't we ask you to pray for the Iceland Project yeah. right now? Yeah, let's let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you as your children who need to be made wise by your word. Uh, we come to you with our needs and our questions and our burdens, and we offer them up to you. Uh, right now, uh, Iceland is on our, our heart, this rock in the middle of the ocean with so many people who don't know you, and yet we've met this brother who does know you and whose heart is on fire for you. So first of all, we pray that you would encourage him deeply, that you would help him to find the resources that he needs, move our hearts to keep uh, him in our prayers, and we pray that we would just see your spirit move in Iceland in a remarkable way. And we ask that with great confidence and great expectation in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're so glad you joined us for this session. It's our prayer that the music and conversation was used by God to grow your faith and enrich your understanding of the Christian life. If this is your experience, please share your reactions to this hour. Post a comment on the Michael Card Music Facebook page or send your reactions, questions, or song requests via email to inthestudio at michaelcard.com. Learn more about Michael's books, his music, and our podcast guest details at michaelcard.com and share what you've discovered on your favorite social media platform. We're excited about the partnership with our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible. Visit csbible.com. The Bible is the foundation of all we do in this podcast, and we're happy to point you to the many ways you can read and study with this fresh translation in your hands. Explore all that's available for you and use the 40% discount on CSB purchases at Lifeway. When you order, use the promotion code CARD40, typed with all caps and no spaces, to receive your 40% discount on CSB purchases through Lifeway. Choose a copy that fits your needs online at csbible.com. Now for Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for sitting in on this session in the studio with Michael Carr.